Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm not shaving anything. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. He got that one. McCaffrey will not use a timeout. Carr. Three-quarter court heave is short. He just towards the end, it seemed like we didn't want to make that big play. But Richard, can you sit here and say Patino, if he wants to be here in two seasons, he's my coach? Uh, what I can tell you is we're all a phone call away. And what I mean by that is uh, somebody could call Richard Patino tomorrow and hire him, right? Uh, I have well, Richard, somebody tried or yeah, had interest. Right? Yeah, somebody had interest, you know, and, and what I can tell you about my belief in Richard, um, you know, I approached Richard uh, going into the last week of the season uh, about a contract extension, uh, and then we beat Purdue at home, and that great, you know, game at home, we beat Purdue at home, and then we make that nice run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so I'm hopeful that Richard Bertino is our coach in two years. All right, welcome in. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Rami back on Wednesday, and those were the voices of Mark Coyle, Athletic Director, University of Minnesota. You heard from Richard Patino, and you heard from the Iowa basketball team, which came in and handed the Gophers what I would consider a pretty embarrassing loss based on the circumstances, Judd Zolgad. Mm-hmm. You were at the game, and we have a million things to dive into today, baseball-related, too. We'll get to our <laughs> 10 days of Twins talk at 4.30. Uh, wet more on the Josh Donaldson effect, and... I guess, I don't know, I didn't think we would be sitting here still talking about this baseball cheating scandal so much on February 17th, but based on everything that happened over the weekend, we're going to dive all into that later in the show Yeah, it, as it, well. It's becoming more infuriating by the hour, that's the problem. And entertaining, so, too. Well, yeah, but it's it's infuriating. If you love baseball, it should make you very mad. I actually, have a th- I actually think this could be good for baseball, so we'll flush all this stuff out later in the show. Oh, okay. But... Interesting. That was an embarrassing loss for the Gophers yesterday to Iowa at home. They blow an eight-point lead with five and a half minutes left to play. They go scoreless over those final five minutes and change. Mm-hmm. And you and I, I mean, you and I have been doing this show together for basically the Richard Patino era, right? I mean, he took that job. Uh, yeah. This is his seventh season. And you know that I've been a Richard Patino supporter for six and a half years, and he's done some really good things here. But I think... This is a really good time. Seven years in, Gophers are, I don't even think they're really on the bubble anymore. I think after yesterday, they're, I haven't looked at bracketology, but this is a good day and time to have a they're state right of now. the you're program. Correct. Yes, you're right. Yes. Well, I mean, like, are they even one of the like the they, next four? They were I don't a, think so. They were a next four going into the loss and would have, I think, gotten into. Okay. That, and now they are, they are firmly on the outside looking in. So here... I think we have to start the conversation with our expectations. So I want to ask you two things. Mm -hmm. 
What are your expectations for Gopher basketball? And is the program meeting those expectations led by Richard Pitino? All right. The glasses have come off, Taking, ladies and gentlemen. Well, i got to think this through. And the gloves are coming off. Too. Taking the last part of your question first, the answer is unequivocally no. Because here's my problem, and I'm going to tie it into what's going on across the street as well here. But my problem is that some seasons look to be, oh, step in the right direction. Last season, step in the right direction. Things are going well. This is Perhaps this is the corner being turned. Because we know that we have seen this program win. This is not a do-nothing-all-the-time program, no expectations, they'll never win. We've seen them win. And so the question, the answer to your question is no. They are not consistently ever meeting my expectations because every time I think they are, Phil, they fail to. And to tie it in what's going on across the street, and this was brought up on Ventline today, I believe, by a caller, and it's a really good point. You know, what P.J. Fleck is doing should be and is increasing expectations for basketball, too. Because for how long did we all say, I don't know that gopher football could do anything. I, I just don't know about I mean, maybe maybe the Sun Bowl is great. Maybe the Sun Bowl is the be-all, end-all for this program. And now P.J. appears to be taking them in a direction that's like, no, no, you, you've got... You've got a coach in place that can recruit really well. You've got a place as far as practice facilities go that kids want to come. You know, gone are the days of, um, you know, hey, Tubby, can I go practice? Sorry, kid, Augsburg's got our gym tonight or something. <laughs> gone are those sure. days. Now, now they've got all of these things at their disposal. And the last part of my answer to your question of why I'm not satisfied, too, is We have never in my lifetime, and that is not an overstatement, that is not hyperbole, and it's true of you, too. We have never in in our lifetimes, as as far apart as we might be in years on this earth, had a state this rich with basketball talent continually. Yeah, And it's not just one or two great players, and you lost them, and doggone it, now it's time to go uh, south, or now it's time to go to Wisconsin. No, we have... A litany of top-notch talent. Some of it elite beyond elite, and you might not get that. But Minnesota in ESPN's top 100 for just the senior class this year has yep. four guys in okay. the top 100. So a lot That's of it, pretty crazy. A lot of it just damn good. Mm-hmm. And to have as few kids as Richard Pitino seems to get, and then to watch the meltdown yesterday, and this is extended throughout the course of this season too, to watch the lack of an overall bench that you have because they don't have one. It's maddening, and and I think that if we were we were to say, well, yeah, but they're trying hard, and this is the best that they can do, one, that's a lie. Two, it's selling the program completely short. So, no, overall, yesterday is is fresh and disconcerting and maddening, but let's take that away. And I will tell you, overall, this program is not meeting my expectations, and I think articulating why is not that difficult. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's stand expectations for a second here because where Richard Patino, him and I had a lot of conversations earlier. I used to host the coaches show for a number of years, and we had a lot of conversations early on about, hey, I know that, and we both agreed on this. Fans want win now, and they want instant gratification. But it's not we're not this isn't Duke or Kentucky here, okay? This it's, it's Minnesota in the history of Minnesota men's basketball even including the banners that have been ripped down. The Gophers have only made the NCAA tournament 14 times in the school's history. And you can look at all kinds of like 
There's all kinds of programs you would never think at all are on the same level as the Gophers in your mind, right? Like when you think about Alabama, Birmingham or something. or So there's actually programs like UAB, Weber State, New Mexico, Texas, El Paso. I'm looking at the list right now. There's so many obscure programs that have been to more NCAA tournaments than the Gophers. So as a starting point, we're not talking about Kansas. We're not talking about Kentucky. This is not, well, what about the Clem Haskins era? Okay, well, Clem Haskins only went to the NCAA tournament Every other year, six times in 13 years. And he was actually, look this up, he was below 500 for his career in the Big Ten. One or two games below 500, but still, like the best coach in the history of the program was below 500 in Big Ten play when you add up the 13 years he was here. So, like, I, I come at this conversation from that grounded reality, which is it is ridiculous to think that they should be in the NCAA tournament every year. I think we should aspire to build to that here. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that they can go on a Wisconsin run where they just go every year for almost 20 years, but there's steps to be taken. And I think Richard Pitino, I think at his best, he has he has given you exactly what you want. You know, Get to the NCAA tournament, uh, go above 500 in conference, flirt with top three, top five finishes in a really good conference. He's done that a couple of times. But at his worst, he's had a couple of the biggest clunker seasons in the history of Gophers. He's had three really impressive seasons with two NCAA tournaments and an NIT win, and then three of the clunkiest bad seasons that you're ever going to see. Part of that was some suspensions and injury here and there and some things that maybe were unforeseen. But... This season is kind of the tiebreaker for me. Like, all right, you've had seven years to build recruiting momentum and to put your stamp on the program. I'm not asking for Kentucky, Duke. Like, I'm not asking for that. Louisville is the program at a different level than it was when you took over and, and by how much. And I think this season, like, I, they can still salvage it, but I really think these next six conference games in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, I think it tells you. Almost everything you need to know. You've got, I get that you you ran into some, maybe some bad luck, and then Amir Coffee probably came out a year too early, and you were hoping that Coffee could play with a Turu and you could push forward with those guys. But, yep. But I feel like if you don't make a run this year and get to the NCAA tournament with, by the way, one of the better big men in the country, Daniel Turu is probably going to be the first Gophers draft pick since Chris Humphreys 15 years ago, 16 years ago. Yep. And so I don't think it's unfair to say, listen, this stretch run is really important, and you should look to win some of these games, get into the NCAA tournament, and go back to back years. And if you don't, then I think there's some. I think there's a real discussion to be had about is this program after seven years where it wants, where it should be, where we expect it to be. Two things that I think have changed though in the history of this program that you referenced is this, and I brought them up. One, it's the in-state talent now. Twenty-five years ago. 30 year, years ago, this just didn't exist. Like, if you got kids, yeah. you might get... And, and you know, Clem got some kids from here. But think about the um, amount of them who are just ordinarily... Okay, he's a nice player. We're talking we're talking really good to potential superstars at, at times. This state now is producing basketball players like we've never seen. Yeah. Now, he did get Jamal Mashburn's kid, right, who's mm-hmm. from not Minnesota. Right, but... And he's I'm, a top 100 guy, but... But, but I'm, just, I'm just saying when... when you look at the current construction of this bench right now, and it's basically non-existent. That's bothersome based on what is out there. And the second thing, and I think it's benefited Fleck big time, but how many years, Phil, 
early on in Patino's tenure here, did we talk on this show about how are you going to recruit kids when, when you basically have a gym to practice in that's a complete joke, mm-hmm. which, which that Beerman gym was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patino tried to put a curtain there, and but it didn't count, right? No, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But now, football and basketball-wise, you've got huge selling points now. That campus has completely changed. And so you should have kids being like, hell yeah, I'll come here. City campus? You know, yesterday, a ton of recruits, I believe, were at that game. Williams Arena filled up is awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome yesterday. I know it's an old building, and if your team stinks and there's 5,000 there, it's like, okay, this is cold and drafty. But yesterday, those kids are watching this, and, you know, the raised floor, there's so many cool things here. And, and so I do think what what Fleck has used wisely and what I would what I would use against Patino if things aren't improving here is the selling points now, to me, have gone from, oh, that's not so great, to potentially off the charts. Yeah, and so that raises the expectations of the program, And it right? should. You've got the facility, like you said. You've got the high school players in the state. You've got, I, I think location can go one of two ways, but if you're, you know, I think location plays to your benefit if you're talking about some of the Minnesota kids that play in state because they get to live closer to home, they get to be closer to their families, and I get that maybe some kids are going to want to go play elsewhere. But every time I see one of these dudes go to Wisconsin over Minnesota in yeah. football or basketball, yeah. it does rub me the wrong way. It's like, well, wait a second. It's not it, It's not like you're being recruited in football to go play for Ohio State. Like It's Wisconsin, right. Minnesota. Like, Trey, you should close that gap. And when Trey Jones goes to Duke, I know people hate that, but I get it. Go to Duke. I get that. You should go to Duke. But, yes. but, there's, a, but there's a level of player probably right below him that most of them – if you want them here, you should get them. Mm-hmm. Not every one of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. We should open up phone lines here, too. It's uh, it's an open discussion about the state of Gophers basketball here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. 651-646-8255. What is your expectation for Gophers basketball? And is this program meeting your expectations? You know, one thing that gets thrown out there quite a bit, and I think... It's fair and unfair at the same time. Patino's conference record, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I believe, I believe it's 46 and 78 after yesterday. It's like, give or take, it's like 30 games below 500. And when you just look at that, you think, oh my God, seven years in and you're 30 games below 500 in conference? That's absurd. But then you start to pick it apart, and it really is three seasons and I see our phone lines lighting up here so get get your calls in here 651-646-8255 he had a couple seasons one I think it was his second year where they had to kind of take a step back because they actually didn't it, it it's a true story that Tubby Smith left the cupboards completely barren they didn't I mean it was like like Joey King was brought over from was it Drake to yeah, be their poor Joey King like started best crying player. when they beat Maryland if I'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah. and um and so they did have to take a couple steps back, and so that's when you saw like a two and fourteen Big Ten season, and then like a four and fourteen was in there, and then the seat was at the season where Reggie Lynch got suspended, and you had a couple other guys go down due to injury. So there were some things in there. It's not like six years, and every year you're four or five games below five hundred because he's had a couple year. One year he finished fourth in the Big Ten, so that record's a little bit deceiving. Right, but I, I think the fair part of your question to open the show is are you comfortable with where this program is at right now? So sort of forget the past, but just go with where we sit right now. Because this team had success last year. It was a nice team. Now, I know Coffee left, and that's a key player. 
But all those things being said, seven years in, I think you should be infrastructure-wise to a point where where there is at least a level of consistency. Like these highs and lows and highs and lows should end. And I'm sorry, but when you're at home in an absolutely key game and there's 526 left on the clock and you've got a pretty good lead, and I don't give the Hawkeyes a ton of credit here. It ain't like they ran the Gophers out. The Gophers had, what, six possessions, five turnovers, Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately you are to the point now where, and I'm not saying this kid's a bad player, but you have to play a lot too much a Marcus Carr. Who is all or nothing, Marcus? Mm-hmm. Like, there's moments where you're like, this kid's really got Kelsher's it. all or nothing. Exactly, too. exactly. So, I think the really fair part of about your question is, are you comfortable with where they are right now? Yeah, and I that's completely legit. And I just like my answer to that question is, if you've got Daniel Laturu as your centerpiece, twenty points a game, rebounds, block shots. That dude's going to play in the NBA. I'm not saying he's going to be Anthony Davis or anything in the NBA, but that dude's going to get some run in the NBA. I think he probably gets drafted. I think he's like a second-round oh, pick. he gets drafted. I mean, some people are saying he might be a first-round pick. He gets pick, drafted. You're right. But he's going to be their first draft pick in a decade and a half. And you're outside the top ten in the conference. Yep. I just don't think you should be outside the top ten in the conference with a player like that. And I get that the conference is tough. I get that the non-conference was tough. But you got a player like that. Finish in the top ten, get to the NCAA tournament, and they still have time to do that. But they've got they've got a couple like they've got like three games that they absolutely should win on the schedule, and then they've got three games that are going to be coin flippy at best for them. How do you take in the second half of that game? Explain this to me. Two ten second violations. How do you not get the ball? And I understand they're pressing, but that means that there's more guys to get the ball to on the other side of the floor. Yeah, it's bad, it's, and that's it's really embarrassing. Really embarrassing. Six five one six four six eight two five five. All right, we're we're talking state of the go for basketball program here on Score North. Dan, you're on the show. Yeah, hi. I agree with a lot of the things you guys have said. Uh, I am somewhat uncomfortable. I like Patino as a coach for the same reason I like Saunders. Bloodlines, immersion in the sport from childhood, and so on. But the Purdue game and now the Iowa game are two games where the Gophers completely choked it out at the end. Take away two losses and add those two wins, and they're in the NCAA tournament easy. And when a team chokes that badly twice, uh, it's coaching. You have to be able to coach them better than that. They do need a second ball handler because Carr gets exhausted at the end of games. He was completely out of gas at Purdue and he was very close to it at Iowa. That's why the turnovers. And if Patino wants to hold his timeouts till the very end, when the second 10-second call happens, get a technical. Get a technical. That will give you enough time for the players to regroup, and you can get a little coaching in, and then maybe you don't have that disastrous last two minutes. Dan, thank you for thank you for the phone call. You know, I think you know, he... Dan sounds like he's kind of on the fence too, and this is where I would caution people because we we tend to do this in Minnesota sports. We just like once a coach, if we're kind of on the fence about a coach, and then a game like this happens, it's just like oh, we're just we're just out. I need to know very much what's behind door number two as well because every other year, Patino or every other year or so, he's giving you twenty four wins, twenty two wins, twenty five wins. He gives you a relevant season every other year. And that in itself is 
better than what Dan Munson gave you for the most part. Now, there were some heavy sanctions strapped to Dan Munson at the beginning of his tenure, but I would like to know, is this program with the facilities and with the high school fertile recruiting ground that is in existence now compared to 10 years ago, if another coach came in here, would that coach have a better shot to get some of these players? Would that coach have a better shot to instead of every other year giving you a relevant season, maybe it's four out of five years you're relevant, and then yeah. you take a step back. And I, like, I, I, I need to know that. I think the the answer to your question start with the recruiting philosophy, and I think the most important thing is the question of can you keep these guys home? Because if you can, you're going to build a pretty good team pretty quickly. Yeah. Let's go to Mark and Hop. Speaking of fertile high school recruiting ground, Mark and Hopkins here on the show. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> I I think my my thoughts are um, I think it might be a little bit of an overreaction from yesterday's loss to just say that Patino should be fired. I I don't want to excuse that that was a bad loss considering they went five and a half minutes without even scoring. Um, h- however, I I think the way that I look at it is the Gophers they finally um, scheduled a really good non conference. And they, they've run into a buzzsaw. And the Big Ten is usually this way every year, but considering the fact that the Gophers are 12th right now with a, what, 6-7 and seven record in the Big Ten just shows how strong that, that conference is. And you look at the rankings, you look at Ken Pomeroy, they're like the number 30 team in the country. So I think, say, say Patino does stay for next year, I hope they keep up this trend, and I hope it doesn't discourage them based on what happened this year from scheduling really good in the non-conference because I think with how young this team is, and even though they will probably lose Oturu to the draft, I think they can be really good next year, and that's why I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like I can see arguments for both sides, but I think another year and not losing anybody besides Oturu from this team that's valuable, I think they can do some damage next year. Yeah, Thank you for the phone call, Mark. The thing about, so I'm a big analytics guy and Ken Pomeroy, so if you're unfamiliar, KenPom.com, he takes all kinds of different data, offense, defense, your schedule, everything you can imagine, and puts it into a stew and then ranks teams based on the this, this formula. And strength of schedule is a very important component to this and and even after that loss yesterday the Gophers are 31st in the country right behind Kentucky yeah they had just 20 and five great non-conference schedule just ahead of Auburn which is 22 and three in the SEC this season Oturo in my mind should stay though and I know he's really good right now but he's got enough flaws and if he goes out now I think next season he becomes a project for a team I think he might bounce down to the G League I think he might get some NBA time and look, I think he's a real talent. But if I were, if I were his uh, guardian type, I'd say you, unless you you get hurt. And by the way, we'll take out a big insurance policy on you. Uh, you will benefit from another year of Big Ten basketball. There's enough flaws in that game that I think it helps him significantly, probably to come back. Right now, according to NBADraft.net, grain of salt. Obviously, we're still only we're not even to March Madness yet, but. NBADraft.net has Daniel Oturu projected. Where would you say he's projected? What's your guess? He might be a first-round pick because the draft is so weird in this uh, league. He, very much a first-round pick. 15th or something? Higher. Eighth. Oh. To the Washington Wizards. I still think he'd benefit from coming back. 
I still now, think obviously if he him. gets some steam that he that I mean, he's going to yeah, be a lottery pick. If you're going to be a top ten out. pick, then you're coming out. But I'm just saying, from watching his game, there's enough flaws there that he would benefit, I think, significantly. But yeah, if he's going to be a top twelve pick or something like that. You're right. He's going to come out. And it's also worth noting, too, in terms of I, to what degree does Richard Pitino get in-state guys? Well, I believe this was the same draft class as Trey Young, uh, or I'm sorry, Trey Jones, mm-hmm. right? And so people people hammered the Gophers for yeah, not getting Trey Jones, right. but Daniel Aturu was one of the three best players in the state as well that year, and he did get Daniel Aturu and a couple others here. State of the Gophers, Wesley and Bloomington. You're on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Hey guys, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about an idea I had, uh, and I might be wrong about this, but I just think that the relationship between the Gophers basketball team and the Timberwolves is uh, a little non-existent. And uh, I used to live in Milwaukee, shout out Rami, and I remember Buzz Williams used to have the Bucks and the Marquette players uh, practice together, and then I'd see on Twitter... Brandon Jennings would invite those kids up to his penthouse to play Madden and stuff like that. And I just don't think Patino's doing that. And I think that if these kids thought they had a chance to become friends with Carl Anthony Towns and stuff, um, they'd, that would be a huge, huge uh, recruiting point. We should have had him hang around happened. Jimmy Butler a couple of years ago. Thanks, Wesley. That would have been fun. Yeah, I don't Could know. you imagine getting like... Well, you'd grow up quick, wouldn't you? <laughs> Learn a lot of words you probably didn't know. I'm guessing Jimmy knows more words than I do. Can you imagine, like, a couple of years ago, Elliot Eliason hanging out with Jimmy Butler? Hey, Mr. Butler, what's going on? <laughs> Listen, kid. <laughs> I uh, I mean, the caller might be right. I, I don't know. But I don't think that that's part of the problem here. Well, it's it would be, yeah. I, it, it, I think in terms of, like, what well, is I the think problem? Ryan, I think Ryan and Patino and Saunders and, like, Fleck are big buddies, yeah, right? Yeah, they have a good relationship. So there's, yeah. I, I'm sure that they're... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't know if there are things that go on behind the scenes between the yeah. program and the team that they just don't put out there. Yeah, I think I think in terms of ranking problems, depth, you nailed it off the top of the segment. It just it it has felt for seven years like who's coming off the bench to bail you out? You know, there's been there's been seasons where like the Reggie Lynch season, he goes down and then somebody else gets hurt, and it's like you're starting guys who probably shouldn't even be playing five minutes in a big time right. basketball game. So, uh, if you have thoughts, our phone lines are open the rest of the hour here. We are going to get Derek Wetmore in for 10 days of Twins Talk. Day number six for us. Wetmore about halfway through his spring training tour in Fort Myers. Judd is going down there in a couple of weeks to do some Judd Zolgad-like investigative reporting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really Make sure everything's on the up and up. (laughs) Yeah, with baseball, that's really simple these days. (laughs) And we're going to dive into all of the things that Rob Manfred did terribly wrong this weekend later in the show. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app, which is free to download. Just go to your Apple or Google Play Store and uh, check it out. We've been getting a lot of rave reviews about the Score North app and just the ease of which you can listen live to Score North programming or on demand or read articles from Judd, from Matthew Collar, Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers. So we'll come back, get to our 10 days of Twins talk here after we talk about Tondrick Wealth Management. Now, you've probably looked at your paycheck at some point recently or in your life and thought, man, I, I pay a lot in taxes. Of course, we all have done that, and we all think it'd be nice to not have to give all of my money to Uncle Sam. Actually, uh, the tax brackets as recently as 2018 were lowered, and the highest rate at 37% is one of the low high rates in recent history. Now, that could change. Who knows? There's an election coming up, and tax rates can fluctuate. So are you prepared 
for tax shifting. And are you prepared to make sure that you can legally minimize what you pay in taxes and protect your future retirement income and the wealth that you have spent a lifetime creating? Well, Tondrick Wealth Management is ready to help you build your plan. Get a free tax analysis and a financial review with Dale Tondrick by calling him now, 952-401-1671. That's 952-401-1671. Or visit the website, myinvestingcoach.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by the Choice Bank. Minnesota Golf Show will get you to 10 days of Twins Talk and Mackie and Jared with Rami in just a second. But first, you can win four tickets to Arnie's Cabin at this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. Download the app, register your app, and enter to win tickets. Include ter- tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd, access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green, and complimentary food and full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3mopen.com. Staying on the websites, over at scorenorth.com, we have all your written content covering Minnesota sports. And Derek Wetmore, who's joining Mackie and Judd in just a, just a minute, wrote about what he learned while following around new Twins third baseman Josh Donaldson yesterday down at spring training. Matthew Collar also compares the free agency class in the NFL to what the Vikings already have in-house right now. Also, Judd Zolgad has his thoughts on interim wild head coach Doug Evison's first game this last weekend. That and much more is over at scorenorth.com, and it's all completely free. The best price on everything golf is at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show February 21st through the 23rd at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advanced paid tickets come with 21 green fee, green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy your tickets. That's been the Score North Download. Now back to Mackie and Joe with Rami. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hey, Wetmore. It's Zolgad. I got a question. Yes, sir. Did you, I mean, did, did it get uncomfortable? Did you stock the bringer of rain? Because, like, I've seen your tweets and I've seen your notes to us and I've read your story. And I don't know if I'm comfortable if if you, like, observed him a, as a reporter or followed him into the shower stall at one point. Like, how, how personal did this get? That would be one way once, to find out if he really brings the rain, I guess. Once oh, they, uh, wait, ignoring that for a second, yeah, thank Phil, you. once they got that. into thank the you. clubhouse, it was, hey, Here's a wall. This is your place of work. When he went to his car afterwards, Judd, I, you know, I politely allowed him to get in and drive away without me in the passenger seat. Okay. <laughs> but otherwise, I tried to stay in his hip pocket pretty much all day. So we sent Wetmore down for a couple weeks here to the uh, first portion of Twin Spring Training, and you can find all of his written coverage on scornorth.com. You can check out the Scornorth Twin Show, Jacob Arizzi explaining in great detail his success last year, also a sit-down with Derek Falvey, but... The topic today, and we're going to get into some other stuff too here, but what impact has Josh Donaldson had in these first few days of position players being in and around Twins camp, Derek Wetmore? Yeah, man. It was really cool to see. The first day he got there um, was actually two days ago. He he showed up, and I didn't even know he was here yet. There was some. You started to hear some rumbling. Hey, Josh showed up. And this was like later in the day after workouts and stuff. So I go downstairs, and we do our press stuff. We talk to Rocco Baldelli like after the workouts. And then there's Josh Donaldson in the Twins batting cage with a bunch of minor leaguers and prospects from Royce Lewis to Travis Blankenhorn, Ryan Jeffers, Brent Rooker. It was, it was just like a clinic from Donaldson 
to these young hitters. And so that was pretty cool on its own to see, like, hey, this guy didn't have to do this. He could have just, you know, walked in, signed his name on a sheet, you know, got his workout gear and left. But he didn't. He did way more than that. So I was curious. And I followed him around yesterday, and it was, first it was a round of uh, BP with Miguel Sano, Nelson Cruz, and Eddie Rosario. Then he took infield, and, like, the impression I get from this guy is, well, one, like, rambunctious energy, but he channels it into his work. And two, he just seems to be obsessed with helping other people around him. He couldn't stop, um, even between his own drills of taking these ground balls, from giving pointers to Travis Blankenhorn about how to attack ground balls at third base. The drill was done, and his day could have been over, and instead... He asked, like, Royce Lewis if he'd hang back on the field with him, and they just talked the finer points of defensive positioning and charging ground balls and glove hand transfers. It was, I mean, it was really a master class, and it was fascinating to watch how, uh, yeah, obsessed he is with relaying some of the wisdom. Baseball. Yeah. Baseball. New one. Gotta you, eat. Yeah, when you when Derek Get starts when <laughs> when Derek starts talking about glove hand transfers, oh yeah, that's awesome baseball. So, I mean, guys, yeah. like we we can talk about the contract and we can talk about how many homers they hope he hits and and how good he plays third base defensively. Ultimately, that's the kind of stuff that they're paying him for. Yep. But it is really cool to see this fringe benefit that that uh, he's just obsessed with helping anyone else who's willing to listen. So, I'll, I'll bite. The Wilds of mask over basketball, as you probably know, melted down on mm. Sunday. So, I'll go on a very positive direction and ask you this. What's the dynamic, and, and I don't mean among the two players, but for the clubhouse as a whole, Derek, between what Cruz and now Josh are going to bring, too? Because, I mean, we saw, you know, Cruz's operation in that clubhouse in 2019, I thought was beyond impressive. And guys were naturally drawn to him. And he certainly has something that qualifies, in my mind, as the sports it factor. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to add Donaldson as well, what is, what's the clubhouse like now? Because, to me, a year ago, it seemed incredibly professional. But if we're now going to get sort of a baseball, hardcore, lifer type of guy who, who also happens to hit 30 home runs, that's a dynamic that could take it up a notch, I would guess. You're right. I think that that is what's going to happen. It's hard to read you know, group and relationship dynamics for 25-plus people over a six-month season. But the difference between Donaldson and Cruz, and just in my early dealings with Josh down here in Fort Myers, is the energy level. Not that Cruz doesn't bring it. Like He's very motivated, and you, know, you saw it last year, Judd. He... He takes it so seriously to get ready for those five ABs he was going to have. So you're saying Josh day. Josh will not be napping is what you're telling me. No, I think, uh, I don't know if he sleeps like 10 hours a night and then chugs two Red Bulls before he comes to the park or what, but it is just constant with the energy and not in a... Um, not in an uncontrolled way. Do you know what I mean? He's just he's just here for this activity, whatever this activity is. If it's ground balls, I'm here for this. I'm going to do this as well as I possibly can. If it's uh, BP out in the backfields with Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano, and Eddie Rosario, uh, he's going to try to hit him about 500 feet and get his work in in the process. He's He's been really impressive in the first 48 hours I've seen him. Uh, you said Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers right now find his Scorner Twin show that he hosts Almost every day down there, anywhere you find podcasts. You said in your note to us earlier in the day that, and, and I and I put this in quotes, 
Miguel Sano is in the best shape of his life. Yes, yes. So uh, elaborate for us. Are we talking six-pack? Like how big are the pythons? <laughs> what does he uh, look like? What's the vibe around Miguel Sano? So I think this is actually an extension of what's happened last year. And I, I put that out because best shape of his life is like a constant spring training joke. But in this case... I do think there's merit to it. This is a guy who the Twins signed him when he was 16, and seemingly ever since he got to the big leagues, right, he had that great 2015 debut from July to the end of the year. And then, Pat, I think it was the next year, our friend Patrick Royce wrote the column that, like, this guy's not in great shape. What happened this winter? Literally since that offseason, it's been an ongoing question with Miguel. And last year... There was all this talk around Twins Camp, and even before I got here, I think I started to hear some whispers about, like, this guy's really getting after it. He's he's taking it pretty seriously. Just wait till you see Miguel Sano. Well, then you remember he came in with the gash on his heel, and it ended up sidelining him the first six weeks of the season. So this year, you know, he's healthy, and he's still so committed to that uh, off-season conditioning program. Hello, Nelson Cruz. Thank you for the impact that you've made there. Exactly. And he's just... I mean, he's a monster. I've I've been covering him since I started covering the Twins, basically. And this is this is easily the best condition I've seen him in. He was ripping balls out to left center yesterday. Uh, granted, it's batting practice, but still, I mean, he is a uh, he is a physical specimen. And I asked Rocco Baldelli about the uh, best shape of his life anecdote, and Rocco is uh, obviously well aware of the uh, best shape of his life cliche. And so he danced around it a little bit, and he said. Uh, he, he likes what Miguel did this offseason and came into camp ready to go. He said he's looking to me like a supreme athlete. That's some high praise there. So what, what is the tentative plan uh, that the Twins have for Miguel as far as now beginning on, on trying to continue the transition of making him a quality opening day first baseman, Derek Wetmore? Yeah, it's a big question, and I don't think it's one that the Twins can take lightly. But is um, it a good question? Yeah, it's a, it's a, Is great it a good question. question. That's Judd. all that matters on this show. <laughs> Big questions are, ha. Huh, I just question. picture great you guys question. like dancing around the studio and doing like a yeah, touchdown dance after me, I say. Should have seen me after Wachinski <laughs> said I asked a great question about Boudreaux. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I'm. I uh, don't think I could hold a candle to him, but I will say that the twins are dedicated to it because they know that runs are runs. Like that's it's a it's a bit of a cliche. In baseball, um, it, you can win games with your bats and you can win games with your pitching. And the Twins are going to hope to do a lot of winning with their bats, but you can also win games by having a great defense. It's why it's why Byron Buxton is so crucial in 2020. Like, not to get off the topic of Sano, but if you can save runs defensively, you don't have to score a thousand runs to win a bunch of games. So if you just have a hole in the middle of your infield, or in this case, one of the corners of your infield, you're just leaking runs. And great, if you go hit 40, then all right, we'll probably take it. But it's a trade-off that the Twins are consciously making here to move this guy over to first base, which covers up really his biggest defensive asset, I would say, which is his arm. Um, Of course, if you get somebody like Josh Donaldson, it makes that transition much, much easier to stomach. But... I heard uh, Justin Morneau is going to be down here this spring, Judd. I wouldn't be shocked to learn he's working a little bit with Sano. Um, and you just got to get time and attention, dedicated effort. Uh, it's something Rocco Baldelli talked about without getting into specifics about how they're going to help him. 
But yeah, I mean, if they could make him uh, even league average there at the position, and he's still got that great, great bat, then they found themselves a real player here, and uh, both corners of the infield will be spoken for. So you brought up Myron Buxton, and it's it's my opinion that and I, I'm not saying that people should be talking about him because he has sort of with the injuries and some of the inconsistent performances. I, I think I think he sort of has made his bed to this point. Some of it is not his fault, but. Um, what do you think, what is the chatter around him, and what do you think the expectation of Byron Buxton in 2020 should be? Boy, the chatter is they're going to do everything they can to keep him on the field, and that starts with the conversation. Judd, you and I have talked about this going back more than a year now, on the how can you communicate with this guy who is, again, another supremely gifted athlete, um, and a, a very uh, daring baseball player, I think is the best way to put it. He, I mean, he doesn't leave anything out there to his detriment, right? We've seen him not only crash into walls, but coming in, diving on balls, collisions in the outfield, going back to the minor leagues. This guy's costing himself game time by how recklessly he plays. Now, on the same coin... That recklessness makes him the best center fielder on the planet. So there's a trade in my mind of, are you willing to take 95% of Byron Buxton if it means he, you know, draws down on the injuries or he's not taking these same game-changing risks? That's the chatter to me, Phil, is not is this guy capable of being a big leaguer. He showed for a half a season last year, wow, that's an all-star. But if he's not capable of playing more than 110 games, then what's the the upside is limited there. I'll, I'll put it that way. So he's recovering from his shoulder labrum surgery this winter. I don't know for sure if he'll be ready for opening day. Um, the Twins are taking it slow, but they've said so far he's hit all of his rehab check marks. And I think that's one of the three biggest questions facing the Twins this year is not only can Byron Buxton get back on the field and perform, but can he stay there and do it for 140-plus games this year? What's your sense of what plan B is in center field if he can't? Uh, maybe go to a two-outfielder system and five infielders and a catcher. Hey, it's 2020. <laughs> don't joke. People are going to write that now. Uh, yeah, That's a pretty I don't good know. idea by Wetmore. The Rays, the Rays will probably do that yeah. sometime in 2020. Yeah, so that was actually another place I was going with that. So Kevin Pillar signed with the Red Sox. He would have been a backup option that I was thinking for the Twins, Judd. And the Rays made another trade for an outfielder. They're kind of loaded in a bunch of spots. I look at their roster and I think, they're not done adjusting this, are they? How could they possibly go in with this roster of position players? So anyway, I don't know if they're going to trade somebody. I don't know if the Rays would be open to it. And I certainly don't know if they'd be willing to move on from Kevin Kiermeyer if they were willing to make a deal. But things like that, if, if this doesn't go to plan for the Twins... That'd be the kind of thing I'd explore. I'd look to the trade market rather than just roll with what you got. Jake Cave is a nice player, and he belongs on a big league team. But I look at the Twins with a healthy and productive Byron Buxton and the Twins without a healthy and productive Byron Buxton, and I see two drastically different teams in 2020. Hey, uh, what's the? I feel like there's all these clubhouses, and we're going to play some of the audio of Rob Manfred here shortly. Uh, from the weekend and get some quotes that maybe people haven't seen from like Justin Turner, but it feels like the Twins have been pretty quiet on the cheating scandal, even though they have players who were involved and or uh, played in the 2017 World Series. So what is the dynamic in that clubhouse and in and around the team 
these last few days now that everyone is is in camp? It's something they're monitoring closely. It's Rocco's, you know, he is the inclusive guy. He wants everybody to be feeling supremely comfortable so that they can perform at their peak capability. And so this is going to be an ongoing conversation. You referenced it. Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill, both on this pitching staff, both played against the Astros in the 2017 World Series. Marwin Gonzalez, for his part, I thought he handled it pretty well when he came out last Monday and said, I, you know, I regret what happened. I wanted to sh- express remorse. I wish we could change it, but we can't. And then when somebody asked him, would it be the same outcome if you guys weren't cheating? He said, I don't know that we can answer that question. You know, he just he felt bad for what happened and he wanted to face it. So for my money, Phil, he's done way better than just about every other <laughs> Astro on the planet. And I think that does help. Um as for is it going to affect the dynamics this summer? I I have no idea. It's really hard for me to read. I've just talked to talked to Falvey about it. Um, Jim Polat addressed this at Twins Fest, as did Dave St. Peter. I wrote a story about that for ScoreNorth.com, and then Marwin came out and talked about it. I, I don't uh, I don't sense the animosity towards Marwin specifically when I stand around and hang out in that Twins clubhouse and I talk to players. But I can guarantee you that the way some current players are boldly going on the record with talking about how ludicrous it is what the Astros did to baseball and now are basically, what, allowed to walk scot-free? I can tell you that's not sitting well in the 29 other clubhouses around Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, Nor should it be. Yeah, and we're we're going to open up baseball vent line here in like 10 minutes. I'm Mackie and Jeff with Rami to talk about just that. I'm guessing Rami's going to call in to bash his good buddy Rob Manfred. He wouldn't miss an opportunity for that. Yeah. Now, you know what's he? funny? Like Rami, you know, he's been on our show for over a year, and like one of his main things that he goes back to in terms of people he criticizes is Rob Manfred. And I've always like been a little bit indifferent on Manfred until this weekend, especially. Yeah, uh, but we'll, we're going to play some of that audio coming up here. Hey, what can people find from you on ScoreNorth.com and on the ScoreNorth Twin Show, Derek? On the Twin Show, I talked with our good friend Patrick Royce this morning. It's the latest in a, a line of pretty fun guests I've had here in the last week. Derek Falvey, Jake Odorizzi cut open a vein. It was amazing on pitching. And then Royce and I had a lot of fun this morning on that show. Um, working on a story here that I, I, well, I'll spill the beans to you guys. Uh, I, the Twins are using some new technology here in spring training, and I think it's going to spill over into the season. They're called force plates. And they really, you get it on it. You throw, a plate, you throw a plate against the step of the dugout once if it's a fastball and twice <laughs> yeah. if it's a curveball. No, no, Force no, no I'm not at Astros camp. Oh, okay. Uh, Thank but you. yeah, they, you know, you stand on the plates and you swing and it measures your ground force. Or you stand on a mound and you pitch and it measures, you know, your impulse force towards home plate. It's a, it's a really fascinating piece of technology. I don't know where the story's going yet, but... You can look for that in the next day or two here on scorenorth.com as well. Boy, we got to get that baseball sounder, man. Baseball. Like this. Come it's on! be Manny Hill's Football! Amazing. That is Derek Wetmore. Find him on the Scorenorth Twin Show and on scorenorth.com. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow, sir. Thanks, you guys. All right, we'll see fade, fade Derek. And you're wondering what that noise is in the background? Is that George Toma you suppose working? Those are leaf blowers. Yeah. I don't think I don't think old George picks up a leaf blower, but you don't think George still does the no no does George come out and watch the guys that do the leaf blower work? I think he does just, he supervise. I think he just sits out there with no shirt. I, he actually, I think he, he does he, wear. He a shirt went to now. a shirt now, yeah. Because yeah. at ninety plus, you have to worry about skin cancer now. Yeah, you probably. 
Well, if you've made it to ninety, I think it's no. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a free run to to a hundred if you if you if you get it, you get it after ninety years old. Yeah, you're in good shape. But all right, here, one one quick sort of side question before we get into baseball event line at five o'clock. If if instead of the Houston Astros and the 2017 World Series uh, controversy and everything, yep. If it was the Twins, mm-hmm. I got into a fight yesterday. I mean, I threw out truth on Twitter about Rob Manfred and the Astros and sure. put a couple things out there. One of them went viral, has like 4,000 retweets. And all of these Astros apologists, these Astro fan apologists in my timeline for the last 24 hours, yep. still thumping their chests about the 2017 World Series. I couldn't do that. If it was the Twins, if it was the Twins, it would be as if, in my mind, they did not win the World Series. And I don't care that they would still technically be the champions. I I would not, in my mind, be able to consider them true champions of the 2017 baseball season. Would the Twins have handled it like this? Would would the commissioner of baseball be the same guy and handled it? I am I am far more disturbed, starting with, what now, last week, last Wednesday or so, when, when the Astros started their, in air quotes, apology tour, mm-hmm. I am far more troubled by what we've seen from Jim Crane Astros players and Rob Manfred than I am by the actual scandal. I have never seen something handled this poorly. It's become a punchline. They've become a complete joke. Do they get it? I mean, Rob Manfred literally every day has one or two players from his league who have big names mocking him and ripping him. Mm -hmm. And he's powerless to do a thing because he's such a joke. So I guess the answer to your question from my end is, if it was the Twins, would I thump my chest and say it's still a great championship? Absolutely not. But how people have handled this to me is off the charts embarrassing. And this is a sport I love. And they they're making a joke of this sport. They are. There's no other way to put it. When you call your championship a piece of steel, and you're the commissioner, you know, a piece of metal, a piece of metal. All right. And as and and as uh, Justin Turner, the Dodgers said today, that's something we work all our lives for. And your name, the commission, it's called the commissioner's trophy. So. Does the cheating bother me? In some ways, probably it does. But I am way more bothered by the hubris. And, and at least last week, when Carlos Correa started talking about it, it sounded like, oh, this is a guy who sort of gets it. He doesn't get it at all. Well, and, that guy pulled a complete 180. And, he, and, and here, here's, here's how I know something's gone haywire. When you want the team and its owner to talk, because you're like, okay, maybe they will, maybe they get the gravity, right? And now I just want them to shut up. Just shut up. Quit talking. You look like idiots. Did you happen to see, because one of the controversies here is Carlos Correa was talking to somebody. He did a big media tour this weekend, and there was an article, I think, in The Athletic, and he was saying, all right, like Altuve's not going to say it, so I will. Yeah, I saw that. The reason why he was clutching his jersey on the biggest home run of his career is, well, number one, his wife doesn't want him to have his shirt off, but number two, he had a, a partially done tattoo on his left collarbone and it looked really bad, and he was embarrassed. And so someone found a photo of Jose Altuve shirtless. On the beach. On the beach on Instagram yes. around that same time period, and he didn't have a tattoo. Yes. Well, today, I don't know, you see this today? Yes. So today in the Astros clubhouse, Jose Altuve, in front of reporters, takes his shirt off. As he's walking to his locker. Yep. Takes his shirt off. Puts it over his shoulder. Turns toward <laughs> the media so they can see that he does indeed have some kind of a tattoo. Yeah. On his left collarbone, yeah, and then goes and puts a different shirt on. Very passive aggressive. 
And hey, I mean, is it possible that sometime between 2017 and now he had to get a tattoo as an alibi? I don't know. Why would they think that we are now going to believe anything they say? Like Carlos Correa is becoming indignant. You guys are great reporters. Go find that out. You you can find that out. As if they're all going to be like, oh, Carlos, you're exactly right. Like what he says carries no weight. The only thing he can say is we cheated. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have done it. And look sincere. It's also just super weird, regardless of the reason, if, if he had a buzzer or not, Altuve coming home on that. We've all seen the video clip now. It's just super weird that in that moment, you'd be thinking of anything other than, oh my God, I just sent us to the World Series and I want to celebrate with my team. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird. But the other thing that drives me crazy is the worst thing that you can do is try and pull rank, right? This is how you should feel. No, you cheated. You're, you're guilty. Don't tell me how I should feel. Andy Pettit in the steroid thing, and I thought Marwin Gonzalez last week did a very good job. Here's all you have to do as a human being to make other human beings think you're sorry. Sound sorry and look like you're going to cry. Like Marwin and Pettit looked like they were going to cry. No, seriously. Judge rules for apology. They, they sort of looked at the ground and they were like, and, but, but it came, they might have both been lying through their teeth. I don't know. But at least you said, you know what? I think you might be really sorry. Yeah. But, but that's all we want. And instead, you've got Carlos Correa telling us how we should, what we should do, or what we should stop doing. We've got Jim Crane saying, "I don't know if this impacted our World Series championship." When that's the last thing anyone would say that he sh- he should say. Like it's so easy to get forgiveness, and yet these guys are going out of their way to basically say, "Oh no, no forgiveness! No, we're going to tell you how you should forgive us." Yes. Well, let's let's keep this going here. And phone lines back open to Mackie and Jeb with Rami, 651-646-8255. I'll tell you about my my tweet that went viral this weekend and has just a bunch of idiot Astros fans in my timeline. And also this actually could wind up being good for baseball. Uh, this is there's what a, I want to hear. There's a scenario this is a which tease this could that I don't know the answer to for baseball. All so, right. uh, let me talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota first for a second here. And you know, it it, it is lights out at Luther month. Which means if you've got a service light on in your vehicle, and maybe you're like me, and you're like, I don't, I don't even know what that. What does that exclamation point mean? Is my car just excited to have me in its presence? I, I don't know. I don't know what that light means. So that's when you bring it into the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and all throughout the month of February, they will turn the light off, tell you what it means, and give you a free, no obligation estimate on repair. That's because it's the best service department in the Twin Cities, a place that my family and I have been going to for decades and they'll make sure that uh, your vehicle is running right running safe during these winter weeks and months that are still going to be around for a little while here so again lights out at luther 694 and brooklyn boulevard they'll take care of the whole thing it will stop in that customer lounge watch a little tv maybe get a little work done in one of the six workstations and maybe uh, snack on some complimentary cookies donuts fresh coffee tea it's just a great place luther brookdale toyota 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and Luther Brookdale Toyota.com, Judd. Thank you, Phil. And so now you got your car fixed, right? And you get home and you drive up in front of your house. And let's say you look at that house and you say, you know what? I need a new house. I'm going to move. I'm done with this house. So now you think to yourself, okay, but now I got to go through all the process of moving and there's so much pressure. And there is, I know that, but this is where 
I want you to call or contact my friend Jason Walgrave, the Walgrave real estate team, and I want you to take advantage of their guaranteed sales program. Because if you are looking to sell your house, the guaranteed sales program from Jason and his team is absolutely perfect. And notice I said guaranteed sales program, guaranteed sale program. I did not say guarantee offer program. We got people all over this town. Some of them may, perhaps they appear in a bus saying guaranteed offer for your home. And Jason says to that, well, that's okay, I guess but I'm talking about a guaranteed sale, a guaranteed sale. And now you're saying, tell me more because I want to sell my house this spring or summer. Go to jasonsguarantee.com and click on the guaranteed sale button. Jasons, J-A-S-O-N-S, guarantee.com. Click on that guaranteed sale button and sell that house. Join Score North's Rami Maklov and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes. Saturday, February 22nd, you can join our team or donate to Team KSTP. Over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. That's what I think happened. That said, um, if there's any player out there that has the nerve to pimp a homer after they cheated to know what pitch was coming, that person is now dead in my eyes. Meaning, I don't not gonna waste any thought on him anymore. Like no respect, none, no respect for that at all. It's frustrating. I'm mad, um, but I'm just I'm not gonna acknowledge them. That was Trevor May on his Twitch stream. He he uh, good for him. He is a proficient and prominent Twitch streamer, usually of video games, and that was him giving his opinion. On Astros hitters and Astros cheating. So we have all kinds of Rob Manford audio here. I just want to play for sure this one clip. And we can also open up baseball vent line here on Mackie and Judd with Romney. 651 646 8255. I honestly didn't think we'd still be sitting here talking about this cheating scandal on February 17th because the story came out several months ago. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought at the end of last week when we had a couple great shows and we dove into this and you know Rami was Rami's back on Wednesday and we're all very passionate baseball fans, I thought, all right, that's probably the end of it, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And then this weekend happens, and we get more player backlash, we get more Astros defiance, and we get Commissioner Rob Manfred with this weird sit-down with Carl Ravitch, in which Ravitch, like, I love Carl Ravitch, but Ravitch was throwing some softballs at him. Oh, yeah. And definitely. Rob Manfred couldn't even hit the softballs. Right. And they're partners with baseball, and so you can tell that ESPN is slightly uncomfortable or downright uncomfortable going yes. here, but they have to now. Yeah, this is uh, this was maddening. So this was, Rob Manfred's weekend included many things, including this comment. The idea of you know, an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back um, seems, you know, sort of a futile act. People are always know that there was something about the 2017 World Series uh, that was different. And they're going to know that because whether we made every decision right or wrong, um, we undertook a really thorough investigation and we had the intestinal fortitude to put out there the facts we found, even though they weren't very pretty. Let's start with the piece of metal thing. Yep. Listen, I get it. In the grand scheme of life, the the World Series trophy is, yes, it's just a piece of metal. It's just sports in the grand scheme of life. So it's okay? the Stanley Cup, yeah. yeah. But you are the commissioner of that league and those players devote their lives and every waking second of their day for the most part. Yes. 
to attempting to win that piece of metal. Yes. So while in reality it is just a piece of metal and we should all have perspective when it comes to how much we invest in in sports, like I get that. I mean, you and I make a living doing this, but we we have it in perspective. He's the one guy that can't say that thing to that audience. You can't. Well, and he did. Yeah, and and yes, in the big picture, it's not a big deal. But nonetheless, those quotes, every one of those quotes, shows how either tone deaf Manfred is or how dumb he thinks we are. Because the end of that quote, if you believe for one second that baseball, as an entity in issuing this report, was forthcoming, you're an idiot. They weren't. There's way more. They also, and I I don't think they're getting, Phil, nearly enough heat for this, they also were tipped off to this way before Mike Fires, and they chose to be part of the system to try to bury it. And then they're like, "Oh God, fires talk!" Now we've got to act like we like like we um, are going to do an investigation. Which, by the way, behind the scenes, they'd probably done yeah. some of, but they just elected to bury that. And so, Rob Manfred, I've got a theory here. In fact, you you've got one too. You tell me why you think this is good for baseball. But I've got a a, a comp for you on on Manfred that I hate to use and is very scary but I think is dead on. Sure. But so, I'd like to hear yours. So I think baseball lacks appointment viewing. It's been a theme that we've talked about throughout the years. You know, why is the NFL so compelling? And, you know, it, and it, by the way, I, it's everyone always loves to get down as they sharpen this pencil down to pace of play and length of game. It's like that, that's part of it. But really we'll, we'll, we will sift through three and a half hours of garbage football because, well, it's Sunday night. And this is appointment viewing for me because it's the, I mean, the Super Bowl two years ago was garbage, but you had Tom Brady's legacy. Mm-hmm. You had young up and coming Sean McVay. Like you had, it's, it's an appointment every single year. And the NFL has all kinds of regular season appointments, big matchups and headline and the way that they market things. The NBA creates appointments and storylines. And baseball doesn't have that outside of the wild card games, which are kind of gimmicky. They don't really have villains. They don't really have. David versus Goliath anymore. And what I love about this, and I don't know how it's going to wind up playing out, but I love that you have a true non-Yankees villain. The Yankees, I think they're going to be sort of villainous again because mm-hmm. they're back in World Series contention and they got a, you know, they spent a bunch of money on Garrett Cole and whatnot. But you have the most prominent true non-Yankees villain in my life watching baseball. You had some little individual player villains here and there, right? Barry Bonds was an individual villain, and maybe Mark McGuire was an individual villain for a while. But to have a team villain like the Houston Astros, it becomes appointment must-see TV if they are on Sunday Night Baseball against the Angels to start the year, right? It is must-watch television now. Well, for sure for this year. I mean, it's must-watch for this year. And if they continue to do this sort of defiant act where they're they're pimping home runs and they're just they're cocky at every turn. Do you think the majority of baseball fans or fans themselves are going to say, and, and I think you, I think you're right, I think the opener holds a ton of intrigue, but beyond that, do you think fans watch them because of that, or do they tune out because they're so disgusted by them? I think if the Astros have a good season despite losing the advantage of knowing what pitches are Which I don't are coming, think they will, by the way. I, but, I think this thing's going to train wreck on them. But, like, could, but they're, they're all, that's a 100-plus win team. Could they train wreck to ninety wins and still make the playoffs yeah. and still you know still be this? I don't think so, but I see what you're saying. You know, 
if this was an Astros thing, and I thought baseball and Manfred was handling it well, I might be excited about the path that you're talking about. Like, if you just had one team where you said, that's a bunch of bleeps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where I cringe and where this is so difficult to watch is the commissioner is so has handled this so poorly. And then, if you, you could play the soundbite, if we have the one where he's got the audacity to be like, I didn't suspend those players and blah, 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 but I'm going to tell anybody that throws at those guys. I met with um, half the managers, the Florida contingent, before um, I came out here to speak to you guys. I'll meet with the other half in Arizona. Um, I hope, I hope that I made it extremely clear to them that retaliation in-game by throwing at a batter intentionally will not be tolerated, whether it's Houston or anybody else. It's dangerous, and it is not helpful to the current situation. Okay, buddy. This is the the warden who gets no respect, who just o- oversaw half of a prison beating up the their prisoners, and then coming back to the prisoners who got beat up and said, "All right, uh, uh-uh, uh, it's done now. It's done on my watch." And the because people- I'm Rob Manfred. You think these play? I mean, do you really think that there's not going to be there's going to be guys starting with guys like Bauer, but beyond that, that don't care, that are going to tell them, "Dude, I threw at those guys." What are you really going right. to do? And listen, Give me 20? And I and I get it like being a commissioner of a major professional sports league, everyone everyone who watches sports who sits in their living room drinking beer thinks like I could do Roger Goodell's job. Like we can't, okay? These are hard jobs. They are 30,000 foot jobs. That said, how do you not think of some of this stuff? I like know. legitimately, how do you not think, all right, as we're going down this immunity path, if we wind up exposing this whole cheating scandal, and the players who benefited to the point of a championship and maybe individual awards, if none of those guys are punished at all, mm-hmm. what's the reaction to those guys not getting punished? Right. Well, players are going to be pissed. It's almost like that part of the conversation but, never took place. But if Manfred had called you late last week and said, hey, Phil, Rob here. And you're like, yeah, Rob, what's going on? And he's like, what do you think I should say about these things? Like, I'm going to do press conferences. Here's what I'm thinking of saying. There will be harsh punishments handed out to guys who hit guys who weren't suspended that I should have suspended but didn't. You'd be like, Rob, no, 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 no. Well, there's nothing he can say because he, he didn't because he didn't punish anybody. Right, but but let's recraft how you're thinking about this. Like you could have given an answer that would be that that could at least imply that if 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 I throw it Altuve and he charges the mound, yeah, if I'm the pitcher. I might get 10 games, but Altuve might mysteriously get 25. I mean, at least say something where people are going to be like, oh, okay. But this is the amazing part. But instead, part. you've opened up these floodgates, and you can't close them, and you keep making it worse every time you talk. He So in his sit-down with Carl Ravitch, he said he was going to send a strongly worded memo. Literally said, I'm going to send a strongly worded yes. memo to all of the teams saying that throwing at hitters, Astros hitters, is, is inappropriate, and doing so will result in severe punishments for these players. It's like... Wait a second. You already sent a strongly worded memo three years ago before the 2017 yes. playoffs. No one respects that, you. The teams should yes. not be stealing signs and going through you know video footage live no, in games. Nobody Maybe respects stop you. with the strongly worded memo office space. Okay. Well, and you also and you also are the guy who continues to say that that the GM Lunau and AJ Hinch were punished because leadership must know what's going on, and Jim Crane got a fine and nothing else. Like the the starting point for this entire thing. If you were gonna say, I can't suspend the players. If you were gonna say that, I don't agree with that. But let's just say yeah, that you ludicrous. were. Then you have to say, but I'm gonna come down on Jim Crane. 
like he can't believe. I'll suspend him for two two years. By the way, Jim Crane, if you if you had gone to Jim Crane and been like, dude, you knew you didn't know, I don't know what you knew. But you lead the Astros. You are the Houston Astros. You're getting two years. Jim Crane's only recourse, only recourse would be to take you to a court of law. Mm-hmm. Because he's got no representation. Like, there's no one who can come in. If, if Manfred's whole thing is, I can't punish players because the PA will come back at me, and then it's going to become dicey. The, the PA probably wouldn't, by the way. Well, but let's say, but, but that's, his, that's his justification. Then you suspend Crane for two years, and I don't care what you do. Move to have him sell. He can sue you in baseball, but go through with the lawsuit. But instead, he's done nothing. Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, they're really going to be, or Cora, like, these are really going to... Nobody is going to look at this and be like, from now on, I'd never cheat. And and now he's also said, he's also come out with this whole thread of, we're going to take steps before opening day about the replay rooms. He's not saying what they're going to do. You know, at least have the have the, the guts to say, we're going to shut them down. Yeah, well, he is... I mean, he at every turn, when he was first presented as the next commissioner after Bud Selig... He was this forward-thinking, yes. innovative guy that's going to come in and shake things up. Yes. And at every turn, he's been a step slow. Mm-hmm. He has been weak in terms of reacting to this major scandal. And I think like the two, there's too much toothpaste out of the tube right now. But I think a suitable punishment, when it was happening... First of all, he sent out that initial memo, I think, before the 2017 playoffs. Yep. And so, of course, he never had the foresight to think, boy, if... If this actually doesn't get squashed out and a team wins the World Series doing this, like, like did, did at no point that, cause you and I sit here and talk about electronic strike zones, right? And what have I been saying for years? At some point, we're going to have an egregious blown baller strike call in game seven of the World Series. And it's going to, and that's going to be, you don't want that to happen because that's going to be embarrassing. Fix the, fix the electronic strike zone problem before you get to that point. Well, if you knew that teams were using, High def videos to steal signs in the 2017 regular season enough to send a memo to the league. Yep. Did you not think? Oh wait a second. What if someone hits a huge home run off of a pitcher and it comes out that they knew what pitch was coming because of oh I don't know like Altuve off of Araldis Chapman for instance? Did you not think far enough ahead to maybe hand out a slap on the wrist in the regular season to teams that were doing this to prevent it from happening in the postseason? All right. Okay. So that's your first mistake. You go through, the World Series takes place, you find out that the Astros were indeed still doing this, they win the World Series, and I'm sure there's other teams doing this too, okay? Yep. In that moment, before the 2018 season, you could have, I know it's hard to punish individual players because, like, it sounds like Josh Reddick and Jose Altuve weren't really using the trash can bangs as much as other players, and so, but here's what you could have done. What you could have done was a two- or a three-year postseason ban for the Astros. Mm-hmm. And that punishes the players currently under contract because you're not going to get to play in the postseason. Yep. And it punishes, if you want, let's say Marwin Gonzalez goes and signs elsewhere. He did two years later. Yep. If you have evidence that there was a player that used to play for the Astros that went somewhere else, then you can handle those case by case. Like, And it would have put all this out. Players wouldn't be headhunting in 2020. And now Major League Baseball is turning into your sport, the NHL, in that... Because the commissioner's office doesn't do enough to police certain things. Yep. Players roll up their sleeves and say, well, hey, if they're not going to police it, you know, at least to the NFL's credit, they took Miles Garrett off of the field the rest of the year yeah. and said, hey, we don't oh, need Goodell play- would have suspended people left and right here. We don't need players policing this. Yep. We don't need retaliation. We're going to take remove this guy from the situation. And it, it would be like if Roger Goodell 
put Miles Garrett back on the field. Said, all right, well, hey, he's just listen. We're I just going to move it. forward the here. The PA is going to be too tough on me. And opposing teams, if you do anything to Miles Garrett, right. you're going to get severe punishments handed down upon you. But the, ludicrous. But the fact that it took Mike Fires, Mike Fires, to expose this something that baseball clearly knew about and is trying not to talk about the fact of how long they knew. All right, and then, but. Uh, Again, I go back to if if Rob Manfred had called you the day this broke and been like, oh, my God, Phil, what can we do? You wouldn't have said, here's what I would do. I'd hand out the punishments and then wait till spring training because that's the start of your of your season. So why not wait until people are excited about baseball to bash it? You Why didn't they suspend the owner for two years, call an immediate press conference, tell Altuve and whomever else get back here. You're going to sit at, at a podium today as we hand these punishments out, and you're going to answer questions, okay? We're going to address this immediately. Because you know what we don't want? We don't want the Astros on day one of spring training to be like, yeah, yeah, we cheated. Because you, if you are baseball, you got to control them. They didn't control them. But my point is this, and here's the scary thing, and Rami hates when I say this, and he tries to turn the subject because he loves baseball, but the reality is Rob Manfred's employed for one reason. And you brought up my sport, and it's the same reason why Gary Bettman, another tone-deaf executive, why are they employed? Because right now it makes no sense. Why do owners, Why? what are they doing here? What's going on here? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. They are there for one reason. They are in place to oversee a potential year-long work stoppage. Because Rob Manfred has proven that when it comes to baseball, it won't bother him. Guess who else it didn't bug really that much? Gary Bettman. Gar- why is Gary Bettman, why has he been employed for so long? Because he is, why... It pained, and I know we lost a World Series, Phil, but it you could tell it ate at good old Bud Selig that he lost a World Series, and they never had another work stoppage on his watch again. That's not what these guys want. The owners want guys like Bettman and Manfred who will look them in the eye and say, gentlemen, your sport's cute, but I don't give a damn. What do you want me to do to the Players Association? Here's the scary thing. In Bettman's case, the union's not that strong. Or wasn't, and so he could really push them and push them until they finally said, we're going out for a a year. You know as well as I do, the MLB Player Association is one of, well, it's not one of, it is the strongest in sports. It's stronger. The NFLPA is a joke. I think basketball has gotten better. But the point being is, when that CBA is up, Rob Manfred is in place and will not be fired because they know he will oversee at least a year-long work stoppage to try and break that player association as much as possible, and that's why he's here. Well, that's just what baseball needs, as baseball, with an average age of fan 15 years older than the NBA, and getting smoked in most measurable things compared to the NBA and the NFL, a year off or two years off would really do wonders for baseball. By the way, this is the best player in the world, Mike Trout, talking earlier today. You know, like I said, it was a tough, tough off season to see that you know, as, a, as a baseball player, and you know, you just hope uh, Major League Baseball cleans it up and uh, play uh, you know, good baseball from here on out. What's your view of that World Series championship? Um, you know, it's tough because you don't know, you know, what helped them, what not, but you know what's coming. Definitely help you, I think. Yeah, Mike Trout, a um, little tough to hear there, but Mike Trout doesn't speak out a lot. No. But he uh, he was pretty adamant that this isn't good for baseball, and when you know what's coming, you can do a lot of damage. Let's take a call here real quick. Here we got almost full phone lines. Chris, you're on with Mackie and Judd. No Rami today. He'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I just wanted to make a, a point. Um, first off, 
I, I want to say that I am not defending um, the commissioner because I think he's absolutely spineless and completely useless <laughs> as far as the commissioner is concerned. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, he's there at the good graces of the owners. And the more I think about it, the more I start putting the puzzle pieces together of how things happened and the silence from the owners on this then and now, it all seems to fit that, and and the, and the fact that it stopped after they won the title, it all seems to fit that what happened was that Manfred found out because the players were complaining and the owners found out. And they were like, okay, this is bad for baseball. This is bad for business. We can't make money like this. We cannot let this get out. So, Manfred, you're going to do your job, and you're going to shut this up. And we're all going to keep our mouths closed, and we're going to sweep this under the rug. And the Astros, you're going to stop doing what you're doing, and we're just going to make it go away. And then when they found out, they're still silent because they're like, okay, if we don't talk about this, if we pretend like it didn't happen, like it's not a big deal, maybe it'll go away as quick as possible if we just stop talking about it. Yeah, and that's, Chris, thank you for the phone call. Let's see, like, you know, the more you go back and play this out, and I feel like this, I, what I'm about to say is a second guess. It would, if, if we would have had the information in the moment, it would have been a first guess. Easy. It's so much worse when a team benefits in the World Series and wins a World Series as a result of the scandal. If this is happening in June and July and they're testing out their systems and baseball finds out and then publicly says, hey, listen, slap on the back of a hand. This is illegal use of technology. This is the team that we caught. We're taking away their first round draft pick next year and we're finding the organization $250,000. If there's anybody else doing this, stop now or you're also going to lose a draft pick. That would have been a warning flare to teams before the World Series. They could have gotten out in front of it and they could have put it to bed and they could have still been public about it and you wouldn't have this percolating now two and a half years later. But aren't you absolutely floored and amazed by how poorly it's been handled by the team and baseball at every step now? These past This past week is what just, I'm telling you, Phil, it absolutely leaves me astounded that something could be handled that's a big deal like this, which is which basically is telling the fans and media, okay, just stop already. Yeah. I mean, can can we clone Adam Silver and just have him take over baseball? Please, Lars and Robbinsdale, you're on the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, man. What do you think about all this? So you guys kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, kind of like a different uh, scenario. So I don't know if it was like last season or the season before, but Manfred was coming down and all the players wearing like colorful cleats and arm sleeves and like, you know, the gold chains and stuff. And players are like, you know, losing the game and whatnot. So what's going to happen this year? If I was a player... And let's say I signed a nice juicy contract with Adidas. They hook me up with a nice colorful pair of cleats, and I want to wear them on opening day. Is Manfred going to come out and suspend me now for wearing some colorful cleats? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, if he does do that, it looks ridiculous for him suspending someone wearing some fun cleats, but letting a team steal a World Series. So it's like... Yeah. Well, how's that going to work out this season? I know. It's uh, Lars, thank you for the phone call. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing, too, now is players and star players don't care. Like, they're coming out every day and bashing Rob Manfred. 
which ordinarily gets you fined a lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard a thing about a fine yet. Have you? No, this, in, f- in fact, Justin Turner, star third baseman for the Dodgers, he had this to say. This is from ESPN.com. And this is in regards to Manfred calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. Yep. I don't know if the commissioner has ever won anything in his life, Turner said earlier today. Maybe he hasn't. But the reason every guy is in this locker room, the reason every guy is working all off season and showing up to camp early and putting in all the time and effort is specifically for that trophy, which, by the way, is called the commissioner's trophy. So for him to devalue it the way that he did yesterday just tells me how out of touch he is with the players in this game. At this point, the only thing devaluing that trophy is that it says commissioner on it. Yeah. Justin Turner. But how much would <laughs> that ordinarily it. probably get you fined? Now I'm going to keep reading this here. It's great. Uh, Turner said, now anyone who goes forward and cheats to win a World Series, they can live with themselves knowing that, oh, okay, we'll just cheat in the World Series and bring the title back to L.A. Screw the manager and the general manager. It's just those guys losing their jobs. I still get to be called a champion the rest of my life. So the precedent was set by Rob Manfred yesterday in this case. I think it all comes down to everyone keeps saying the facts, the facts, the facts. You don't know the facts. These are the facts. By the way, Astros players are saying, don't talk about this unless you know the facts. Well, right. you don't, I'm sorry. Right. You no longer get the privilege of dictating this conversation. Turner continues, I don't think anyone knows the facts. I think everyone just wants to hear all the facts. And I think the commissioner didn't do a good job of revealing all the facts to us. Yes. I still think there's some stuff we don't know. Yes. He's right. That's so, the point. And we're going to give you some of the facts and not suspend and any of the players. And he's trying to tell us that we were, were transparent. Yeah. Dude, he's a clown. He's a clown. Let's take one more on this. Christine, you're on Score North. Hey, I am very upset about all of this, and I'm just going to say something real quick. My mom um, died of Alzheimer's um, 31133, okay? When I wrote her obituary, and I had to, we used to watch the twins, and she said, God bless her, um, she watched every game, and she said, I hope they don't suck this year like they did last year. Um, and uh, God, we used to watch MS, uh, FS1. Um, and, um, you know, what is going on, you know, with, uh, okay, God, I'm just really upset about everything right now. Look, they need to vacate the title. I don't care what else they do. They need to vacate the title for 2017. And the fact that they're going into now saying, okay, it was 2018. Okay, what, all right, what is going on? You know, we, I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm really, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Oh, Christine, it's all good. Sorry. Right. Well, I don't blame her for being upset. But that's what they're doing to baseball fans. Look, seriously, that's what they're doing to baseball fans. Here's where I'm. Dude, re- Rob Manford just made Christine cry he on did. live radio. Here's where okay. I'm. Here's our. Here's here's my conundrum. You know, we got a lot going not well sports wise in this town, right? We got a baseball team that I think we are excited about and should be, and I think they're a really well run team. Okay, but they play in a league right now that I see as a complete joke. The league's a mockery. Yeah, it's amazing that so, it, you, go, you go into the season and you don't know if the baseball is juiced or not. Yes. You don't know which teams are cheating. You don't know what offensive numbers to believe anymore. And I'll throw this out there. You don't know if guys are still using performance-enhancing drugs no. that are five years ahead of testing. Yeah, and you're right. You don't know you who's don't know cheating. Anything. Here, here's the most pathetic thing I can say. I actually take a little bit of solace in the fact that a guy who cheats from the Twins franchise looked like he actually felt sorry for what he did. How pathetic is that? From Marwin? Yes. Yeah. 
No, but I mean, at least he did a good job of looking like he might cry. <laughs> I mean, my just gosh. Put, just put a little uh, little crushed red pepper in, got, your, in your nostrils. I got Carlos Correa telling me how I should think about things. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We will wrap with Royce pretty shortly here and get Judd's wild thoughts over the weekend. Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. Mackie and Judd with Rami. We're going to wrap with Royce here in just a minute after we talk about the fine folks at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is very charitable. They are a gigantic supporter of big brothers and big sisters. And I think they've raised over $30 million, somewhere in that ballpark, over $30 million the last 15 years for big brothers and big sisters. And 100% of that money goes to the charity. Uh, it's not, they're not, you know, they're not skimming 50% of it. It's that, that's 100% to big brothers and big sisters. So the commitment that Federated makes to great causes, they also make the same level of commitment to business owners. They help business owners get that peace of mind that you guys deserve when you're pouring your life and energy into a business. And really, the last thing you wanted for something bad to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in, based in Owatonna, Minnesota, with over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. Uh, you just get you get a policy that you can feel comfortable with and a face-to-face relationship that you can feel good about, too. Federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries that Federated protects and to find your local Federated representative. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We'll get you back to Mackie and Judd with Rami in just a second. But first, boys, I might have some uh, reckless Teddy Bridgewater speculation for you if you want it. Whoa, whoa. I think Judd's seen this. I'm not telling. You're not telling. But. Reckless speculation. According to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Teddy Bridgewater is expected to have a quote-unquote strong market in free agency. It can land a multi-year deal, paying him around $30 million per year. Whoa! Whoa! Speculation! Teddy Bridgewater. That's super reckless. Dude, I mean... And I'm in for it. That's amazing. Teddy Bridgewater at his peak is a $30 million quarterback in today's NFL. But there's so much to hedge. There's so much to hedge. And who's going to give it to him? I love it. We've basically Tampa? seen him start a handful of games in the last four years. He went right? five and zero. Oh. The New Orleans Saints. <sighs> he's so got that's, the that's a nice car to drive, though. That, that's a Ferrari he's driving. The team if that he's gives driving him, that Ferrari, I'm paying him thirty mil. But the team that gives him thirty million dollars probably isn't no offering a Ferrari to drive. Probably not. So interesting. Could it be? I don't know what their cap situation is. But if Tom Brady goes, to, are you done? By the way, I just got a one read. And then oh, I'm done. go ahead. I got a theory. Go ahead. The best price on everything golf is at the Choice Bank yet? Minnesota <laughs> Golf Show, February twenty first through the twenty third at the Minneapolis Convention Center. All advance paid tickets come with twenty one green fee passes. Go to minnesotagolfshow.com to buy tickets. Now I'm done. Score okay. North download. Good stuff. So if Tom Brady signs with Las Vegas for the report, I believe it was our guy Larry Fitz Senior that reported this it was. over the weekend. Yeah. That 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 Oakland slash uh, now Las Vegas is prepared to offer Tom Brady thirty million dollars a year over two years, so sixty million dollars over two years. Mm-hmm. Could it be the New England Patriots that offer Teddy Bridgewater the thirty million dollars a year? I don't that he potentially could get. Yeah, I don't know if they do it, but I could see a team doing it. Couldn't you? If you're That's a quarterback, so much do you money. want I'm to go up, there following Brady? I'm looking up cap space right now. Where does Tampa Bay? He's from Florida. Bruce Arians a really good coach. 
I'd love to play if you're a good quarterback. And I think I think the only th- question I think about Teddy is more of is the knee going to hold up long term? But a guy like Teddy with Bruce Arians could be so good. And Bruce Arians has been so frontal about his disdain for Jameis Winston and, throwing thirty interceptions. How do you throw thirty interceptions in 2019 NFL? Right. Like the league you have is- bad enough vision that you need LASIK. <laughs> That's I love that. The Troy Williamson excuse. That'd be a great. Oh, I don't suck. It's just my eyesight yeah, that's bad. Just had to go get oh. my eyes. I didn't even see. I didn't see that safety creeping over the corner. I I can barely see five feet in front of my face. It would look. It was the Nike Vision Clinic. Okay, Troy worked hard there. It's actually a miracle that Jameis Winston played uh, as well as he did. Sometimes having not being able to see past the line of scrimmage. Okay, first in cap space. It, it looks like according to um, OverTheCap.com, the Dolphins eighty nine million. The Colts are next at 86. The Bills are third at 82. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 79.9 are fourth. Hmm. You know, the Dolphins, if you thought the Dolphins, because he's from Miami, if you thought that they were on the right track, and I think he had a chance to go there last year before the Saints talked him into coming back, that'd be another interesting one. But I don't know if they're on the right track or not. See, I feel like Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians there could turn the corner really quickly. His best spot would be if Drew Brees decides not to play for the Saints. It sounds like the, yeah. the Saints are going to welcome Drew Brees back if they can get that. That's a really delicate situation because yeah, the Saints run the risk of losing potentially both of their quarterbacks behind Drew Brees, right? They they run the risk of because lo- Hill and Bridgewater are also free agents. Yeah, and Hill. I, All three of those guys are free Hill, Hill, I'm not as sold on, but Brees and Teddy, I'm definitely sold yeah, on. Yeah, this whole idea, since we're on it here, We'll wrap up the racing in a few minutes. This whole idea of of Hill becoming yeah. a franchise quarterback or something. Okay, he's only thrown like, is it like fifty passes or something in his NFL career, and he's almost thirty years old. You're going to give the keys to that guy? No, he's. I think he's going to offer him a lot of money, and it's he's a gimmick player. He is. He has proven himself to be a great Swiss Army knife type of guy. Yeah, he's like. But what, you want to tell me that's my quarterback? He's what Joe Webb as, aspired to be. Eight years ago. Stop my quarterback. Basically. Reckless speculation. All right, Judd. I need, before we wrap with Royce, I need from you two to three minutes of your best wild uh, discussion well, here. They get beat by San Jose. I feel like if on we're going to there's only one proper way. Please go to the event line page and you will see, I think, in the second to last category towards the right side. I'll be producing this right now. The song, which I have had Declan clean up so it starts with the song. We yeah, see. The All right, now pull that down just a little bit so I can talk. <laughs> This thing is the... Camera two. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking straight at the camera. I don't even know if it's on. Don't care. It's not on. Camera adds 10 pounds. I'm not this fat. So here's the thing. Bill Guerin, congratulations, because aside from the fact that I feel bad for my guy Boods and the timing of his firing was weird, you have orchestrated, you have convinced your owner that you're trying to compete for a playoff spot while picking your team apart to the tune of they have no chance at the playoffs. This is genius. Because the Craig Leopold, much like the Wilfs, are super fans. So, like, they can never get their head around, it's time to tank. So what Garen did was blew out Boots saying, I know that Dean Everson can get more. Did you hear the exchange after a 2 nothing loss to a Sharks team that, by the way, is not good, Phil? Did you hear Dean Everson in the postgame on Saturday? Uh, no, I did explaining, not. Explaining that the team worked hard and had intensity and so the second question was, yeah, but they seem to lack that focus. And Everson doubled down and said, no, I thought we were, I thought we came out and played hard. I finally said to him, were you happy with this? And he's like, well, I, I mean, no, you're never happy with a loss, but we played hard. 
They have no chance. I saw Parisi's comments. The same thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought we it looked like. Did not look yeah, like we no, were playing no, hard. No, it didn't look like you had no intensity. You had thirty nine shots. Most of them came from the blue line. It was. You know what this was. The Saturday game was a was a dumbed down performance of the entire Blues playoff series, where the Wild had all these shots. Why didn't these shots go in? Because they were from center ice. <laughs> You've got no shot. It's but it's genius because they're going to make more trades by Monday. Bill Guerin basically had to tell Craig Leopold, "I'm trying hard." So Craig would say, "Well, then make the change," knowing full well. Oh, and last thing, never seen this in my life. The Wild. Pulls their goalie. They're down by one late in the game. Timeout, okay, to talk strategy. The veteran players huddle up and game plan while the coach stands there saying nothing. That was your game planning. <laughs> that is your Minnesota Wild. You guys draw it up. That's your Wild update. Uh, Patrick Royce, the age-old <laughs> hockey debate, did they play hard enough, was in play on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, so Dean Emerson is not one of those young uh, guys, uh, positive-thinking guys. Is he being instructed to uh, to change the narrative to a Rocco-like narrative? I that, think he's uh, looking to change fine? the culture. Yeah, I give no, I, I, culture. Think, I think he is, yes. How old a guy is he? Everson, he's... I think about him. He is a former, he played for the Whalers and Capitals, and I think he's in his 50s now. Oh, well, there's no chance he's going to get the jab in. Anyway. Zero. Not even this guy, he's not even this guy's uh, selection. He is, he so. is a hockey patsy, Patrick. Uh, he's 55. <laughs> well, bring back Torch. That's what I say. Oh, I love Torch. <laughs> let's, let's give Torch a shot. Come on, finally, let's go. Wow. Leopold, man, he's uh, you were right. Uh, he's, he's on the goofball uh, meter right here as an owner, man. He's uh, he's high on the goofball meter. Well, the fact that he thinks that that these guys can win, and I think his GM finally said, "I'm going to make this move, and it's going to look like I'm trying to win when I firmly am not," shows you how he has to sort of be played. Well, yeah, Leopold is always, uh, you know, that's like let's face it, some of the bad moves they made with Fletcher was, was him insisting they do everything they could to make the playoffs because yeah. he wanted those they wanted to wanted to help pay off that uh that tab that he would paid for the club, you know. So you are you correct. Know what's amazing though, Phil, did you see uh did you see the crowd on uh this weekend on Sunday on Sunday? Eighteen thousand again. Eighteen thousand plus. What's for- wrong with you people? I I thought that was the Woodbury. I thought they were gonna uh, make them take a hit at the gate, but they're starting to pack the place again. Nah, I don't know that they announced the real attendance or have for quite a while too. It, that's a good question. It's a cool place to hang out, though. It's much like Target Field. I want to hear. Hey, hey, hey let's <laughs> let's get to the important thing. Let's get to the the record of your uh, grandson Luke and the fact that every time he goes, <laughs> this team is awful. Yeah, I know. I don't know what we're going to do about him. I uh, we'll send him back to Florida, man. I wonder if uh, <laughs> I want you know the, the family moved here, but maybe we can. They, they might have some friends left in Florida. They can ship him back there during the hockey season. The Lightning don't, don't want him, and do neither do the Panthers. <laughs> no, no, they don't. That's uh, it is a, it is astounding. I'm not sure he's a hundred percent in on the joke when he's referred to as the Jinx of Woodbury either. He's uh, he's fully <laughs> out to uh, grasp grasp it entirely but uh yeah it's amazing he the last two he's been outscored eight to nothing and two of the worst performances in franchise history so anyway i I don't know he still loves it though he's uh that's you know that is the part of the success of this team though is that it's the kids 
the family bringing the you know the, the mom and dad bringing the two kids. That's the success of this team. They they've gotten into that more than any franchise in in the city has ever been able to do. Uh, Pat, have you been able to lay your eyes on Josh Donaldson down there yet? Yes, I not as uh, close as Wetmore did. Congratulations to him. Uh, good idea to follow that, uh, uh, Donaldson around for a whole day. But he's not. Uh, he's uh, shorter than I thought. He's only six foot max, probably uh, stocky, but a uh, brick. You know, he's an absolute brick. And uh, uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, that uh, obviously, it's a little early to see the uh, intense, over the top, crazed. Uh, side but uh that'll that'll be interesting to watch i really do love the uh dynamic of him and cruz because the personality at least donald's my reputation and cruz by observation are completely different so because uh, uh nelson never is rattled until you know the ball game starts and it's time to hit he's uh, like laid back and boy does he look like he's in good shape too Oof. he looks uh he looks uh just a little more flat tummy than he was last year so it's uh, he, he looks good, and uh, Sano, as I, I was I reported, I think probably to judge disappointment, is the best I've seen him look since he came up in, in 2015. Good for him. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, that this team has been successful in getting through to Buxton about um, perhaps not going into fences or diving as much? Or is that just hopeless, do you think? Uh, I think that... Uh, when the ball's in the air, uh, he's probably going to try to catch it. <laughs> and you just have to hope that, uh, uh, you know, he and I, I, I got him converted to my theory that it's not his fault. It's the rule wall. It's the fences part. And baseball has got to do something to uh, make these guys safer when they crash into these goofy, stupid fences. No, I, I don't know what he's going to. He, he looks even, uh, he looks like he might have gained a few more pounds from last year. Last year, you know, that was supposed to help him bounce off fences, right, when he put on 20 pounds or whatever it was. But I think, I see a different guy. I think that, I think he believes in himself. I don't know, Phil, when you were watching him flail away, I, I, I just saw a hitter who had no faith in himself. And I think he believes in himself now. I think he figured, you know, since last offseason, not, you know, this offseason, but the previous one, when he went home and said, the hell with all these goofballs who want me to use a leg kick and not use a leg kick and do all this stuff. And went back to doing a little more hacking and slashing at the early in the count and things like that. Uh, I, I, uh, I am predicting, uh, 135 games in a, uh, huge season from him. I, not a, he, not a huge season and like he's going to not get a hundred or anything like that. But just, I think he's going to be the player that he was last year, but he's going to be that player for 130 or 135 games. And if he is, if he know. is that, they, it, I think the difference between them being a really good team that's on the second level of American League playoff teams and maybe winning a World Series is if if he does what you just said, I think they're a World Series contender right now. I was talking to Junior uh, Kenny Rosenthal about that this morning, and uh, you know we kind of said that uh, we both agreed the same thing because with him on the field. You go from a subpar defensive team to a uh, somewhat above average defensive team with him on the field. He makes who doesn't he make better when he's on the field? Yeah, you know? he certainly makes the corner outfielders better. He certainly makes the pitchers better, and uh, you know he might even make the uh, middle infielders who have to run out and catch uh, pop ups uh, better too. He's uh, he's uh, 
you know, just just that much of a difference maker in center field, and they're and their fielding really fell off after he got hurt last year, don't you think? Yes, I mean, they just stopped making plays, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Donaldson's as good a third baseman as they tell me he is. I I, I guess I never watched him play there enough. Uh, you know, I you always watched him as a hitter. I guess I I never saw that he was an uh, outstanding third baseman, but they uh, they feel that way too. So uh here's here's my theory. I, I bat I bat Donaldson two, Cruz three, I bat Blanco at the top of the order, and I, I bat uh Buxton eight and Arise nine. Right. And then I think you got and then I think you got a handful man. <laughs> if you got if you got those two guys at the bottom and starting an inning and then you swing around to Polanco and uh, Donaldson and Cruz, and then who's ever hitting fourth, Kepler or Rosario, and then so it it is uh, when they're playing the eight team, it is a hell of a lineup. Yeah, uh, Pat, you know that the commissioner and the Astros have crossed a line and pissed people off when Mike Trout gets worked up enough to hold court with the media. Well, well you guys all want Mike Trout to get more attention. <laughs> now he is. He's there. Yeah, he is. Well, right. Right. Yeah, what, what did you make of the, the the biggest the biggest thing that's being pulled and that the, the players are mad about is Rob Manfred referring to the World Series trophy as a piece of metal yesterday. What did you think of that? Well, I think that uh, Rob Manfred, the people who say Rob Manfred doesn't like baseball are correct. <laughs> he wants to change everything. I think he I think he likes being in the business of sports and all this stuff, but he has no. Uh, he has no feeling for what the game has meant, I don't think. And he, he you know, he, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm very hopeful that this is a whole fiasco is going to cost him his job because then we don't have to worry about having seven playoff teams in the, from each, uh, each league. So I, I hope he gets, uh, you know, he, he just has done nothing. For me, so I, if he gets if he gets fired, I'd be very happy. Yep. But I, I do think he was handed a unwinnable situation because you can't start suspending players because that's a bottomless pit. Uh, you know what? What is the standard? Uh, this guy didn't cheat as much as the other guy uh, when you start doing that. So I don't know what the that was about. I, I think he had to. I, I don't think he could start suspending players. So yeah. I, I guess. Uh, I guess we just wait for it to uh, to come out. But I, as I told you today, I'm now a big Astros fan. I hope they win 104 games. <laughs> it would it would actually be kind of funny if that happened. Ultimate troll, oh, ultimate troll job. If they, <laughs> if, if they go out there kick ass. But I I said this a couple of times today, though, Phil. But that that stuff ESPN was showing last night. Every hit that the Dodgers that, that the Dodgers gave up in the World Series, they were trying to suggest that perhaps they you know. According to ESPN, the Dodgers would have pitched four perfect games if these guys were cheating, right? They would have never given up a foul ball. Um, they showed you Darvish throw a cookie down the, you know, the old-time cock shot on the inner half, and some guy hits a home run, and we're supposed to believe it's because they uh, they knew it was coming. How about the fact that the pitch stunk? Yeah, I think I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. Well, you can yeah. get more of of Royce's thoughts on this and the Twins because Royce on baseball is coming up here in just a few minutes on Score North. Wetmore and I had a very good uh, discussion today, so uh, awesome. we'll enjoy that. All right, see you, Pat. Okay, see you. Goodbye. That is Patrick James Royce <laughs> in yep. all his gloriousness. Yep. What was that chat called again? 
Nope. Don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I just it is. It's, it's just a fastball. Nope. A little bit below bell tie is what, what that is. So like thigh a little bit. A little above. Hub, okay. A little above the thigh, a little, a little below, below the, the belt. Side. Yeah, right down the middle there. That's what we call a fat pitch, right? <laughs> That's another thing you'd call it. Yep. Yep. I'm done for today. All right. Find our podcast, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Scoring with that. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.